Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Noxherzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Valiant Dorian plays Vasca, a Yuanti Bard. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include complex and complicated relationships, romance, flirting, references to sexual entanglements, memory loss, amnesia, loss of sapience, vast and unknowable depths, heights, falling, drowning, monsters and monstrosity, and body horror. Arc 7, Episode 4 the smog, the fire, the flood. From The Flag and the Shore by Carrie Downey. No one believed in Tashu Grom. No one believed her theories that there was something down there, beyond the mist, beyond the depths of the Great Rift. Tashu's letters always returned to sender. The Paragons were too busy, she was told, with the rebuilding. New kingdoms were being forged, flags were being sewn, anthems written, rituals of worship bled for and observed. And yet, Tashu thought it peculiar. She thought it odd. No one else thought it odd, least of all the Paragons who were there, who were the only ones there when the rift was made. When the stranger came, they fought it, they beat it, and now they cared not for investigating the crack in the realms that it tore open. Something was amiss, something was wrong, and Tashu Grom would get to the bottom of it. She packed a satchel, penned a letter, rolled it up, put it into her breast pocket, and swore she'd deliver it to the Paragons when she emerged from the rift victorious. She prayed to Galtanger for courage, for light and strength to guide her path. She prepared as many spells and magic as she could, spells of flight, of wayfinding, of making food and water and weapons. And then she went into the mist. Tashu Grom wasn't scared when she saw the jungle. She wasn't scared when she let go of her grappling hook and tumbled down toward the canopy. She wasn't scared when she cast flight on herself. 
but she was scared when it didn't work. Oka and Voska. Your god magic is stuttering. Vicious, gasping, red, blue, vile pain surges. The weave is thin, threadbare, and your gods are pale. Voska, your lips move, but words fail you. And the magic, it twitches inside you, it distends, it surges, and a single word rips out of your throat. What is it? The single word that comes out of Voska's mouth is... No! And then you're silenced again, a muzzled wolf panting against cold iron, your white hair falling limply into terrified eyes. And Oka, we pan over to you, and you are no longer a fox. You are yourself again, Oka. Osamar, and limbs, and halos, and scars, and wings, and Costas shouts. And then we pan back to you, and you are an elk? Thrashing in Abiku's arms, foam frothing on your hide, neck thrown back, long and horrified, and Bud growls. And then we pan back up to you, and you are a rabbit, small and weak and white as snow, ears pinned back against your skull, minuscule heart thumping and thumping and thumping against your ribcage, and we pan back to Costas, who steps in front of Voska and says, So you can talk! Voska! Hey, hey, listen, listen! Make me a keeper! Now! I can fix this! Voska, roll a d10. Five. And Voska, what five words do you get out? as Nitbuza's magic surges and stutters inside you, unstable and frantic. I think Voska's hair is kind of like falling over her face and it's like, it's like pulling teeth trying to speak. It, it feels like her mouth is muzzled and her voice box is trapped and caged. And as she is seething, trying to release a breath that will form words, she instead just yells, No! She didn't choose you! What the, what the whole point of being, of being a keeper is, is you can choose whoever you want, right? So, so make her choose me, Voska! I want to be helpful! I want to be helpful in a real way! Roll another d10. One, the only word that comes out of Voska's mouth is this exasperated, almost mewling, a mewling begging voice. One that Costas would have heard before when she was in mourning for Atalanta, when she begged for Costas's presence. And all she says is, this. Voska! Listen, okay? Just listen to me for once! And Costas grabs you by the front of your shirt. Look, the stakes here, they're, they're really high, okay? The stranger's fucking coming, and I'm not strong enough, okay? I'm not a keeper, I'm not a paragon. I'm just me. I'm not powerful enough to save your life, to save anyone's life the way I currently am, okay? I'm, I'm also not some world leader. I'm not a leader of the Alliance of the Eight. I, I'm just me. So the only way I can actually make a difference is if you make me a keeper, Fosca. Please. Roll a d10. Three. 
and there's like so many words that Vasca like mouths and mouths trying to explain herself in the most insightful, wise, bardic way. And the only words that come out are, she didn't choose you. <sighs> and in frustration, Costas like drops and I think rips part of like the front of your robe because without Paragon magic protection, it's just regular cloth. Uh, and it just rips, sort of like showing part of like the top of your chest and revealing some top surgery scars that you have. Like that's how far down Costas pulls it. And they turn around and they take out one of their swords and they stab it onto the ground in frustration. And without missing a beat, they whirl around at you and you see there are tears brimming in their eyes. Vasca! I feel fucking worthless, okay? Abiku's a keeper. Gentles, gentles being talked to by Nebusa and you. Oka's a paragon. Vasanti's a paragon. Fucking Jeron has his own thing going on. I just, I don't have anything, okay? He strikes him, me, you, me, Abiku. Abiku's always had her own shit going on. Now the Raven Queen's chosen her, and you, you're a paragon, and you've, you've always, you've always kept me. You've always kept Abiku at arm's length, Vasca. And I, I know we joke about it, like, haha, oh, we, I have a crush on Vasca. Everyone knows Costas has a crush on Vasca, and you laugh, and you, I don't, I don't even know how you really feel about me. I don't even, even I open. Even after I open up to you, you never, you've never once, Vasco, you've never once given me a straight answer about anything, about your feelings about me, about your feelings about anything. I know you grieve Atalanta, but I don't know how it feels to grieve her. You never talk about it. Even after I told you about being cursed by a witch, about this, and they like walk up to you and they grab at the icy part of their body like they're trying to rip it off their face. This part of me that I hate so much. You, I don't know anything about you. This, and they like draw their hand between their chest and yours. This, you're up here. Vasca and I'm all the way down here. I don't... This isn't equal. Okay? Roll a d8. The fear of God in me with the reducing die size. Read <laughs> again! I swear to cry! <laughs> I'm assuming those are the number of words? I think, like, the entire time, like, Costas is, is, is saying all of these things to them, Vasca is just, like, trying to piece together and, and trying, like, you see her mouth, like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not true, that's not true. And, like, then Costas actually comes back with the actual real things that show how unequal their relationship is. And it, like, dawns on Vasca, and, and there's these, like, empty platitudes that are voiceless that she is trying to say and trying to to reach out to Costas. And all that she says is, You're, you are important. <laughs> you can say that, Vasca, but it's clear you don't really believe that. Do you think, you think I haven't seen the way you and Oka... Heaven, looking at each other. So, so the only way you can share your true feelings, your true thoughts with someone is if you're stuck in a fucked up time loop with them. 
Didn't our time in the caverns trying to find the spindle of Nibuza up in Morose, did it mean nothing to you? What do I have to do, Fosca, tell me? What do I have to do to earn your respect? Your real respect? Do I have to save your life? Do I have to be traumatized next to you? Do I have to become a paragon? I can't do that. But I can be a keeper, right? I can be a keeper, if nothing else. I just... I just want you to open up to me, Vasca. And it's so obvious you won't, unless I matter. Roll a d4. Three, again. I think at this point, like, there is a layer of tears, like, brimming on Vasca's eyelids. As she's never felt this powerless in a confrontation. And there's, there's just a moment she's speechless in, in front of all of that. You're my friend. <laughs> I don't think you know what that word means, Vasca. <laughs> no wonder you like gentle so much. Both of you are always pushing other people away so so they can't see how much you're really falling apart you never have to open up to gentle because there's nothing there and costas whirls around onto you gentle and you're standing in the middle of all of this with bud growling snarling at this now fox again curled up in abiku's arms and you hear your name being spoken by costas as they whirl onto you that's right yeah Gentle, what, you think? You think I'm dense? You think I don't know who you really are? What you're really about? Jaron isn't the only person who knows who you were, who you are. I'm also from Bolshaya, or did you forget? I also grew up in the commune. Yeah, you used to be. You used to be this fucking weirdo who just picked plants and acted all soft and kind and talked to animals and all that bullshit but I remember <laughs> yeah I remember the day you poisoned everyone yeah I bet you'd like everyone to forget about that wouldn't you the day you got everyone in Bolshaya sick really sick cause you were just trying to help without knowing what the fuck you were doing and now you think you're hot shit Huh? Yeah, I've been watching you ever since the Iron Citadel. The only person you really talked to, the only person you ever really interacted with, was Jaron. You and Vasca both keep this fucking distance from other people, and you have the audacity to act like you're the emotional backbone of the party or whatever the fuck? <laughs> well, that's rich. That's really rich, gentle. That's so rich. I'm shitting gold coins out my fucking eyes. And Bud snarls and leaps at Oka and Abiku. Abiku, make a deck save. Okay. <laughs> Woo! 22. You dodge swiftly out of the way as this massive, bloodthirsty direwolf tears past the air and thuds against the ground, kicking up vines and roots and leaves. And Bud, without missing a beat, swirls around, pivots his pelvis, and starts to scratch at the ground, foam beating on his muzzle as he begins to approach again. And Oka and Abiku, how are the two of you responding to this aggression? 
I don't know if Oka... Okay, I think Abiku tries to speak with animals, not knowing if it'll work, and says to Oka Fox, having no idea if he can understand, I, I will keep you safe and starts sprinting. Oka uh, is... Uh, Oka Fox? Oka Fox, I think it doesn't quite matter what language you're speaking to them in because the only response you get is a scream, whether it's like a fox scream or an elk scream or an Oka scream. Like it's just kind of, they're just kind of screaming. Um, and I think making it kind of hard for you to hold on to them, they're like kind of thrashing around and you don't really know if it's like a paw that touches your shoulder as they try to climb up onto you higher away from Bud or if it's like their hand or if it's a wing that hits you or their tail. Um, it's uncomfortable, but they are letting you take them and run away. Yeah, as the two of you whirl around and start to disappear deeper into the jungle, gentle, you see Bud immediately begin to pursue. And you are left, like, staring after where, like, Bud is running off after Oka and Abiku and where Costas is trying to confront you. What do you do? I look at Costas, like, in the eyes, and I go, I'm sorry, but I I have to go deal with Bud. And I just run away. Huh! <laughs> And as you run away, you hear Costas' voice echoing through the jungle at you. Huh. Yeah. Okay, run away. Run away like you always fucking do when things get hard. Just run. Yeah, you can run on water. You can run up a fucking wall, but you can't outrun your goddamn fucking problems. As you disappear into the foliage. And we are going to follow you as you rush through this jungle, vine slapping you in the face, the strange hooting and howling and hissing of not animals in the canopy all around you as a biku is just like a juggernaut chugging through the underbrush and breaking through vines and breaking through branches and gentle you are right on bud's heels and oka i think as we pan back to you you are back in your humanoid form again you are back as normal regular question mark oka and you are leaning over i think a biku's shoulder and you see bud pursuing and you see gentle behind bud uh, Oka being held like a sack of potatoes through all of this, I think it's kind of like yelling, right? Um, they're small enough to be carried by a biku because she's giant. Um, but they see Gentle and Bud, who's just completely out of control, and they're like, Gentle, what the fuck is going on? I, 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 I don't know what's going on. Bud's magic's not working. I, and I just, I'm sorry. And like, I yell to like try to calm Bud down again. <laughs> of course it's not fucking working none of this is gonna work how is this gonna work if you don't even know what the fuck you're doing i think the fact that it's from oka hits a lot hits a lot harder and i think gentle just stops talking and just focuses on like trying to as safely as possible tackle uh bud so bud doesn't get hurt on the way down and also so Oka and Abiku don't get hurt. Gentle, as you surge through the air and try to tackle your direwolf companion, Oka, you feel Sen's magic crackling and straining and dragging against the insides of your soul like the claws of a caged animal. And it surges up, and you feel this like uncontrollable, I think, magical wave just like burst through your body. And what is the last thing you say to Gentle before this thing explodes out of you? Please just look at yourself! And, gentle, you tackle Bud, but your arms catch nothing and you hit the ground, but it's not the forest floor. And Oka, 
as this magic pulse wave explodes off of you and Abiku and sweeps across Bud and hits Gentle. You see Gentle just whoop, poof, vanish. Actually, it looks like Gentle collapses in on themselves. Like an origami crane, they just fold into themselves and whoop, disappear. And Bud, I think, does turn in confusion at where, like, Gentle was going to tackle them, all instinct and hackle and tooth, and they just go, and they lose the two of you. Like, he turns his back on the two of you for a split second, and on that Abiku, you can get away if you want. Like, you can get, you can shake yourself off of Bud's trail. And you do. And the two of you break into, like, a different part of the jungle, and you leave a confused Bud and a vanished Gentle behind. And I think we follow you, Oka, and you, Abiku, as you continue to run through the jungle, now with no one pursuing you. I think I run for a, a little bit more, and then I like, oh, you are a, I'm sorry, and I put you, put you down. I dust you off. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, uh, I, um, I think I exploded, gentle. What? How? What do you mean? Makes I sense. don't know. I yell. I I I I yelled at them too hard. That's not how you explode people. I don't think. I don't really know what's going on, and I think when it, like an ear pops up, that's like a fox's ear, and they kind of shove it back down into their head. Oh, you are broken. Yeah, Abiku, we're both broken. No, I am not a paragon. I I don't have god magic that is broken. Abiku. Yes. Where? Why are your eyes clouded again? Uh, I, I so, I don't know how I am here. The Raven Queen never told me, but if it's her and the gods can't reach us, I might be going backwards. Going backwards? I mean, I was dead once. Uh, if magic where we are from does not work down here, I mean, I, unless it is magic from down here that woke me up, it only makes sense that whatever took sun will take me too. <laughs> you seem awful calm about the idea that you might be about to disappear, Abiku. I am sick of feeling. I failed in the first war I was in, and then the, my wife and all of my people were killed. And then I almost failed Vasca on the Paragon mission. And I helped at the Iron Citadel and I helped with, with Dewey. And I, I thought I could do it, but I, 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 I can't feel sun, Oka. I've, I've, it's like, Someone took half of my not beating heart, and I, I don't want to. You have to save the world, all of you, and I, I am a failure. <laughs> if you've done all that and you're a failure, what does that make me? I mean, you are destined to be a hero and save the world. I am just someone that a god thought could do it, and I, I mean, even gods can be wrong. Even gods can be wrong, but is that, is that what happened? Is that really what happened? Look at me. Look, I, I 
don't know anything. I thought I knew, but I don't know anything, Oka. I tried faking that I knew stuff so no one would know, and then everyone kind of figured it out. And then when I met all of you, I thought I could fake just being another person to help. And I mean, you were with me for like six minutes and clocked that I was not like a real person. You are a real person. I just don't know sometimes. What if I'm just a bunch of energy inside a, in the body, you know? What if the real BQ is still gone and I'm like like a god shot, I'm like a part of her or something, and when this is all done, then I'll just not be here. And I think Oka kind of, like, just sits on a log nearby, puts their head in their hands. Oka sits. You would not believe how much you sound like myself in my own head sometimes. Um, I'll come sit down next to you. What do you mean? So, eight years ago, I died. All the way. All the way gone. Nothing left. And then I was suddenly alive again. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was Meng Shen Shudi. I didn't know if it was fate fucking laughing in my face. I didn't know if it was because the Raven Queen hated me, or if it was an accident, or if it was my sister, who was the most powerful necromancer in the fucking world, or what. And I, for eight years, let myself be a monster, let myself be a failure, a mistake. I literally couldn't even die right. How much more of a fuck up do you have to be? And when we got into the time loop, I don't know. It was me, or it was fate, or, or destiny, or I still don't even know. Brought myself back to life. That doesn't even work. It doesn't even make sense. You don't even make sense. I don't make sense. Gentle doesn't make sense. Vaska doesn't make sense. None of us make sense. Dr. Eluser doesn't make sense. Bud doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. Fate doesn't fucking make sense. But, but here we are. And there has to be a reason there, or, or maybe there doesn't have to be a reason. Maybe we're just here together and we just have to be here. I am glad to just be here with you then. Me too. I am but really sorry I never wrote you that letter. I can read you the one I wrote and didn't send. It's okay. There are a lot of things I probably should have said, too. But maybe... Maybe it's better not to try to pretend or, or make our past mistakes right, but to think about who we want to be right now. And gentle, you hit the ground. You are in a dark shattered place. All around you are fragments of, what are those? Mirror shards? You see your own face, your own body, your limb, your fingers, your gills, your hair reflected back in a thousand different positions from a thousand different directions all at you. It's like the world's most broken mirror maze. You see 
vines crawling up out of the shadowy ground, twining themselves around the sharp, jagged edges of several of these mirror shards. Make me an arcana check. <laughs> Nat 20. <laughs> okay. I never get those. You hear faintly, faintly in the back, whispers of two familiar voices. One of them is Oka's. Another one of them is Kane's. And you realize where you are, this is an aspect of Oka's shattered subconscious. This is an echo, a whisper of a memory of the carnival in the championship of Nepal. And a lot of this memory through the vines and through the foliage, I think bristling in the darkness, has been reclaimed by Oka's subconscious. But it's still here. A brooding trauma. A lament in the core of Oka's soul. Lodged inside their heart. A sliver of it still remaining. And you are trapped within that sliver. Um... Oka? You hear your own voice echoing back at you from the spaces between the mirrors, perhaps even from within the mirrors themselves. Um, Oka? Uh, bud? Uh, bud? Okay. And I, I think I immediately just, I stand up and try to dust myself off. And I just, I try to walk around here and sort of, test the limits of how much is I can go. As you stand up and dust yourself off, you see all the other reflected fragments of yourself also stand up and dust yourself off. And as you start to walk around and sort of like peer through this vast shadowy space with various shards of mirrors suspended all throughout it, make me a perception check. That is a 16. A 16! As you continue to walk, it seems to be a never-ending expanse. You're not sure if it loops back around Round, if there's even a wall to this place, or if it just keeps going. You see your own face filtering past these mirror shards. Is your mask on or off? It is on at the moment. Okay. And you see, like, all of these masked versions of yourself also walking, also looking, turning in tandem with you turning, and with your 16, there is an aberrant movement that you catch on the periphery of your vision coming from one of the shadowy shards to your left. I immediately turn and face it. You see a full-length mirror, one of the few pieces of refractive glass that isn't shattered, with your whole body in it turning to look at you at the exact same time. I think I walk a little closer to it, actually. I think curiosity <laughs> is my initial reaction. You see it move toward you as you move toward it, like it's a reflection of yourself until you're within, like, arm's length. Okay. I think I even reach out to just kind of poke at it to see if it moves at the same pace. And I'm trying to be extra aware of that. Yeah, as you lift an arm, right, and you extend a finger and you poke at this reflection, it does the exact same thing. At like the exact same pace, it's like a perfect reflection of you, right? It's just a, it's just a mirror version of you that lifts its arm and do you touch the surface of the mirror? I do. You touch it and you feel cold, hard glass, like a mirror surface. And then you feel something softer than glass. What's your armor class? 22. 
holy shit, excuse me, 22? What? I'm hard to hit. <laughs> you see your mirror image reflection disobey you. The other arm comes up, curls into a fist, cocks it back, and punches through the glass and scores a blow right in your solar plexus. And this whole movement takes place in less than a quarter of a second. It is fast, just as fast as you. And you, I think, are thrown back by the force of this blow. It's like a sonic boom, eviscerating the air. And I think you slam into some mirror shards behind you and there's like a shattering noise as all these different panes of glass explode and clatter in a cacophony, all scattering by your body. As you take 21 points of force damage. Can I can live with that? And you see your mirror self, its right hand still almost like smoking from the blow, curled into a fist, and it steps out of the mirror silently and begins to approach you. I think I'm going to throw some some glass at it. Uh, I think for my initial attack, I'm going to throw uh, some darts at it and then rush up with a flurry of blows. If Do I have access to flurry of blows, actually? Well, I feel like that's something you can just do as a monk. Uh, so okay. yes, I think you, you. I think you do. Okay, then I'm going to throw multiple hits real quick. Let me. Um, that was a nat twenty, a twenty eight, a twenty four, and a twenty six. Yeah. Uh, as you fling the shard of glass at it, it cuts through the air. And I think, where are you trying to pin it? I think this is gentle being deeply aware of their own body. Their leg still hurts a little bit from the cannonball kick uh, back at the Iron Citadel. Uh, it aims like at a shin. Yeah, uh, you see this glass shard fly through the air and it gashes open a shin on the weak leg from the cannonball kick. And you see your own blood, Fred, right? Like from your own body, sort of explode and splatter in a single straight vicious line across the shadowy ground. And then you rush up, you're right in this thing, this reflection, this you's face, and you punch it several times. Where are you scoring these blows? I think once again, I, I know my, my own like blind spot. It's like right under the left side of my chin. Uh, the mass just makes it kind of hard to see. And I think what I do is I just very deftly, just like almost like crouching, almost like a Dempsey roll if you, if you know boxing, and then lean with my full force into that punch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You punch this thing like straight in your own weak point of the jaw and you just slam a fist against its jawline and the mask flies off. It just pops off its face and it staggers backward. And I think the series of blows that you've dealt against its face and its leg actually, interestingly enough, there's like a ripple across the front of its body, almost like it's made of glass or it's made of water or something. And when it shimmers, you see part of its robe, its clothes melt off. Like the top part of its clothes are just gone. And you just see yourself like sort of like stripped bare of your mask and the top half of your own outfit. And you see yourself beat up. There are scars just crisscrossing your reflection's body, as if all the superficial healing you've gotten from magic to seal up some wounds has just vanished. 
You see bite marks from the wretched that attacked you on the first Aelin we had. You see a stab wound in the chest when you fought the empty mimic with Oka. You see freeze burn scars from Tyran. You see your weak shin, I think still bruised from that cannonball kick. And now you see a bruise blooming on the bottom of your own jawline against an empty face. This version of Gentle has no eyes, no nose, no mouth. It's just blank. I think the initial image causes Gentle to freeze up enough that if you wanna if you want a freebie, go ahead. It actually doesn't attack. You are a fighter through and through. There is an instinctual part of you that knows you've left your guard down. Right. And I think there's even that thought where you're like, oh shit, my guard's down. Right. After like a split second. But you notice this thing doesn't exploit that weakness. It just sort of like stands there now with its arms limply by its side and its head is cocked slightly to the side. It's lack of eyes still almost gazing at you. And you hear a voice coming from this thing, your own voice that says, You've given up so much of your body to help other people. And gentle, as you look back at your own reflection, crystallized and actualized into flesh, what other scars do you see pop up across its skin that you've allowed to crisscross across your own body? There's, like, there's several bite marks, and I think just gashes from hunting with Jaron for years and gentle taking a hit so Jaron doesn't. Um, I think there's tons of almost star-like bits of debris, especially on gentle's fist, from blocking the explosion back in Dabathati. I think Tyler's body isn't working, is it, right now? That's one of my monk things. No, it is not. I think I think you also just hear Gentle's stomach, like, loudly growling. They haven't had to worry about food or drinking outside of, like, just for enjoyment in months. I think even their hands are, like, tinted with, like, a sickly dark color from Tyran's poison that they were immune to uh, back in the Iron Citadel. But now their body just looks ragged and wretched. I think Gentle looks and just says, I... They, like, take their mask off and their shoulders just go slack. I'm sorry. 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 I'm sorry. I think I step... Take a step closer. And if I could... If I could make a medicine check on this, this mirrored body... Go for it. Roll. Okay. Roll for it. Yeah. Wasn't good, but oh well, I have high medicine. Uh, that's a 13. Yeah, as you lift your hands to start to like assess the damage, it mirrors you perfectly. As you try to patch it up, it tries to patch you up in the exact same places. Yeah. I think I start with the shin, and I'm just because that was such an obvious gash I just caused. As you lean down, it also leans down, and the two of you are crouched, nursing each other's shins back to health, even though you don't have an open gash on your own right now. But as its hands touch yours, 
It's such an odd sensation. It's like its fingers are made of flesh and bone and blood like yours, but there's a cold cast to it. Something that reminds you that this is not exactly quite alive in the same way that you are. But right now it's real and it matters. And you hear that same voice, your own voice, ring out as you start to bandage up its wound. What is us? What of this is you, is me, is other people? I think a lot of us has been other people for a really long time. Why? Because when we help other people, other people like when we're around. But what do we want? I just want my friends to be happy, and I want Bud to be okay, and I want to help save everybody, but... And your mirror self, with their hands shaking, raises their arms up, peppered with all these scars, and touches each bruise, each gouge, each slash, each burn, almost with a reverent hopelessness. Does this make our friends happy? I think Gentle stops making eye, like, eye contact, as it were, and looks down. No. No, it doesn't. But if we act like we're fine, people don't have to worry about us. You are fine. You have had will have magic. But I remember. And they look down at their just blasted, wretched body. I never really forget. I have to remember it too. Who are we, gentle? What do we want? We're gentle. We want to make things better, but we, we can't make things better like this. So what do we do now? We let people help. We don't have to be the strongest person in the room all the time. And I like support the weight of the mirror gentle. Let it sort of mm. fall if it needs to. And they lean heavily against you. And it's not just the weight of your own body that's weighing against you. It is the weight of every burden you have ever shouldered falling upon you again. But this time, you're holding it together. And I think it's amidst this moment of the two of you crouched against each other, your heads leaning against each other, that gentle, you feel something tugging at you inside your soul. And as it does, I think we see like a glowing blue thread, bing, 
light up inside Gentle's solar plexus and trail out the back of their shoulders and connect to a different shattered mirror shard in the distance that doesn't reflect this scene back at us, but rather offers a shattered pane a glimpse into a darkly, richly emerald green forest, a jungle clearing. And we push through that jungle clearing and we widen the scope to find Vasca and Costas confronting each other. And that blue invisible thread drifts out through that shard and travels through the air and laces and ribbons through Vasca's chest. But as we pan up to Vasca, I think that thread, the glow of it disappears, it washes down as you continue to be embroiled in an argument with Costas. And Costas right now, Vasca, is currently saying to you, You know what, Vasca, just forget it. I don't want to hear it. And Costas is turning around and wiping at their eyes with their fists, and they are moving toward the sword they've speared into the ground. I think what everyone sees is a... Vasca, who is defeated, who kind of sees Costas, I assume, going to sit down by the sword that they've planted on the ground. You see her raise a hand up and feel breath and her vocal cords unstrain and goes to say something, but doesn't. She instead, Connie, if you will allow me, pull out her flute because nothing, Vasca truly feels so unattached, like so alone and powerless and unable to communicate her feelings. This is a wall she has built up for so long that is layered and complicated and hypocritical and contradictory that no words, like set of words is going to fix this. And in all honesty, it seems that even Costas wouldn't hear it, even if she could communicate in that way. So she wants to show Costas perhaps a little bit of the a peek behind the veneer. So Connie, if you'd allow me, since she's able to speak a little bit more, and I'm assuming there's some degree of power that's left, I would like for Vasca to play her flute and do the same thing that she did in Jukai where she showed images through the threads that she weaves and it turns into and apparates into glowing bits of light of things from her perspective. Will I be allowed to do that? Absolutely. I love that. What images are you weaving and how does the melody sound? I think when Vasca plays her flute, there's this energy of red and gold that begins to coalesce from out of a flute and it forms these images uh, that are staticky and rigid and they shift really awkwardly but after a few moments it begins to crystallize and actually form real flowing images because her hurt is so deep it, it feels that she's unable to speak about it and there's an image really of a simple moment from their adventures at Strike Team A where Vasca is just peeking over at Costas and noticing how they laugh, how bright they are, and the image itself just magnifies Costas in that interaction. It's not even that they're sharing the same attention as the Biku, it's them. 
and then it moves into a moment by the camps where Vasca is trying desperately to figure out the plot of the curse that is covering Costas that a way to break it with her own magics and then it breaks into the future it is a, a time where they were when she was at Jukai and amongst this group that she doesn't really know and isn't familiar with and how utterly lonely she felt and this loneliness is compounded by this metaphorical image of her distance between herself and Costas and how it kept growing and growing and growing and then it finally culminates in Vasca's greatest fear and it is an image of Atalanta stabbed irreverently by her own tra trident she sat upon her throne and on either side is an image of a Biku being run through by that creature that empty beast uh, in morose and Costas on the ground unmoving her body slowly being devoured by ice and I think there's just this one feeling that comes through in this entire time and it is what would I do without you as you approach Costas with this tail weaving itself with stuttering flickering glitching magic still as you try to tap into Nebuza who is spindling who is growing threadbare unraveling herself within you you surge through all of that and try to find if not the right words then the right melody the right feeling the right art to show Costas your true feelings and as Costas turns from where they've crouched down next to their sword and their eyes widen as they see you weave magic again, we actually push past this magic and we find that thread that's still drifting out the back of your solar plexus before Costas has the wherewithal to respond. And we follow it back toward that shattered pane of glass into Oka's subconscious where Gentle is mired and trapped. And Gentle, I think your eye this entire time was drawn to that shard and you saw this happen uh, through almost like that tiny aperture into the now question mark. And you feel your mirror self lent up against you begin to lighten and you realize that they're disappearing they're vanishing they are stabilizing and they are going back whence they came but the last things they say to you gentle that you say to yourself is don't hide us away anymore I I want to be seen scars and all I'll take care of us and on that, a gentle gust of wind just blows this reflection of yourself away, like a ghost finally letting go. And you feel the tug of that thread through the back of your own soul strengthen. I think I follow the, the thread. As you turn... And your gaze travels down that long string connecting you to Vasca. You hear a voice, I think, first time in its fullness, in its roundness, shattered and frayed at the edges, but holding on, you realize this voice is holding on to you, gentle. And it comes from 
everywhere and nowhere and inside and outside. And Nitbuza's Godshard says, You might be lost, child, and sometimes I am too. Sometimes I don't know where the story is going. But what finds you, what finds me, are our bonds. And like a firework explosion on Adolin, several other threads shoot out of you toward different panes of shattered glass all around this mind space. You see one hit a shard, the shard shimmers, and you no longer see your own face reflected back at you, but Oka and Abiku in a jungle clearing sat down next to a fallen log talking to each other. Another thread shoots out, clarifies against a shard of glass, and you see Bud sort of panting and looking around and digging at the ground where you had vanished. Another thread shoots out, and you see Costas's perspective of the conversation between themselves and Bosca. And finally, another thread shoots out against a pane of glass, and you see Dr. Eluso walking down, 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 some sort of tiered, massive, red valley? You see a pillar of fire explode up next to where they're walking? But that thread is the most tenuous of all. It's sort of flickering in and out and in and out, like it's a long-distance call. Like it's hard for even Nitbuza to grab onto that relationship you have and follow it. Everyone else has somebody except for Bud. I like Bud. Bud is priority here. You are the thread, gentle, that binds all of us. And now the real question I have for you, as I reach for you in this darkness, this confusion, this fear, is this a burden or is this a choice? I think for the first time in a long time, it's a choice. I want to be here. Then go, child, and help them. I, I nod, I think, in the sort of direction that feels closest to where the voice would come from. It's everywhere. Um, thank you. Um, maybe we'll talk again? I don't know. And I run towards the thread, uh, linking me to Bud. Mm. And we cut into this forest clearing where we see Bud sort of aimlessly wandering in circles, sniffing the ground, looking up, <laughs> froth still sort of foaming at their mouth. And then in an exact like time reversal of gentle folding in on themselves, we see you unfold in the middle of the air, legs, arms, head, and you land on the ground right next to Bud. <laughs> and Bud immediately gets down, shocked and surprised, and sort of lowers their hackles. Uh, uh, I'm immediately going to reach for one of his like treats and like one of his uh, like one of his play toys he recognized the most, and just mm. try to be like, hey, hey, I'm here, I'm here. I think as you're digging through your satchel and like saying these like platitudes, you feel and you see that thread once again. You see it binding Bud and it travels through the air and is laced to that big wooden die. I hand, I hand Bud the big wooden die. With all his little chew marks, all his little teeth marks, 
you hold this die open to him. And for the first time, you see a flicker of the old bud glisten in his big black eyes as they fall upon that die and his nose sniffs. But he approaches tentatively, opens up his jaw, and picks it up gently. And you see that thread beginning to glow as he does and begins to strengthen. So tell me, gentle. How do you bring Bud back? I think I just like scratch right behind like the back of Bud's ears. And I'm like, see, we're somewhere new, which means there might be new food for you to try and I can try to cook for you. There might be and some it, fancy meats. And as you scratch behind Bud's ear, that confused, aggressive, shocked kind of like animal growl. <laughs> him like the the same hug that a parent gives when they don't hear from their kid in, in too long where it is like love and concern all in one um this place is really weird and you got a lot less magic for a little bit but you're okay now oh okay and he picks up that die and like chews it like chews at it in a comforting like puppy way that he used to but he's so much bigger now and you're a little worried it might crack but it doesn't like he gnaws at it and adds new teeth marks to it and as it does you feel that invisible thread it seems to glow brimming filling your heart up that connects you to bud and poof, it almost kind of like explodes in a shower of like glowing dust around you as that bond is forged and reforged again and now bud is here and bud is back and you feel another insistent tug, two strings leading you deeper into the jungle in the direction of Oka and Abiku. Speaking of whom, we cut back to the two of you moments before Gentle's arrival. So, yeah, that is what happened at the, at the Citadel. Um, you know, it was a very weird place. It, I think I left a raven in charge. So, I'm sorry, you put a bird in charge? Yeah, two. They were supposed to, the birds you saw, I, I had them bring you, they said they brought you the message. I never saw any birds. They stole that grain. I mean, the end of the world's important, but I, I, I made a deal with them that they would bring a message to you about an ever country darkness that was in Kyotal. Um, but we handled it. I, I, you know, you know, now. I can't believe they were lying. So you put lying birds in charge of the Iron Citadel? Yes. You know, Abiku, <laughs> I really don't know why neither of us kind of refuses to stay dead, but I'm glad that you're here. I am glad you are here too. Um, I mean, if everything we've been through hasn't gotten us, it's... I, I know these changes like a whole thing, but it hasn't stuck yet, so um, maybe we shouldn't be too worried. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck, you actually make me feel a little hopeful. And I think that's when Gentle arrives on the scene with Bud. Uh, hi, uh, Bud, now, you should say sorry. 
And I think on Gentle. the ride over, I explained the situation to Bud. <laughs> oh, uh, hi, Oka. Uh, hi, Abiku. I'm sorry for chasing you. I don't remember doing it, but I'm back now. It's okay. I am sorry for threatening you with a sword. You what? Yeah, you were kind of like you went full big. You went big wolf for a little bit, buddy. Oh, okay. Well, it'll take more than a sword to bring me down. I, you know what? I just look at Gentle and I'm like, I will leave it at that. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, Gentle, are you, are you going to do the thing to help them and make Oka's halo stop spinning so fast behind them and bring, bring Sun I, back? I, I, I mean, I, I don't think I can do it on command, but, um, Gentle. Uh, and Oka gets up and kind of goes for Gentle, and they look like they're about to hug them, but then they look kind of really sheepish. I I was really, really worried that I exploded you with my mind um, as processing that. Are you okay? I give Oka a hug, if, if they'll allow it. Um, you didn't explode me. I was in this mirror room, but it, I mean, I kind of needed a space to just look at myself and think, so intentional or not, thank you. I... No, gentle. Let me apologize to you. What I said was hurtful and wrong. Okay? I'm sorry. I forgive you. Um, it wasn't great, but I'm processing all of it, and it'll get better. And Oka hugs Gentle again, if they allow. Of course. And I think on that hug, Gentle, you feel that same explosion of constellation ripple across you. And Oka, you feel it too. And I think the blood halos behind your head that have been like sort of clacking and spinning and erratically glitching, they sort of like slow down. And for once you can feel Sen like stop pacing the cage and stop frothing at the mouth as something about your magic seems to stabilize. Did you do that because you were in my brain? Um, I don't know exactly how it's working, but uh, I was helping Bud and Bud started feeling better. And yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't, this place is weird. I'll be honest. I look around at Biko. Uh, Abiku is decidedly looking down, trying not to let people know she's crying. Upon seeing Gentle with Bud. Uh, Abiku, we're gonna get Sun back. I I know we can. I, I don't, but what if I just fail him again, Gentle? I, I don't know where he is. I don't know if he is okay. I don't know if he's alive or if he is not. You know, I don't want to make him come back if I just do it again i offer one of my like anxiety candies like first off um this might help you feel a little bit better is this something you eat yeah it's a candy so you don't don't bite it the second you put it in your mouth don't don't chomp it instantly okay i mean i remember no, it's better if you do well, I remember eating now, but before when I first when she puts it before when I first woke up, it was weird because I didn't remember how to eat because I didn't eat. So it's, it's but now I know like this is food, I can be okay. Um, okay, okay. This place is really scary and weird. 
But I think if we're all together, we can get everyone back to some degree of normal. I mean, Bud's already talking again, and Oka's Halo isn't, you know, doing the thing anymore, so who's to say we can't get Sun back? Just because we might fail doesn't mean we shouldn't try, right? Great. And Oka sits down and will take Abiku's hand uh, to kind of help Gentle. I, I don't know exactly how you summon Sun, but have you tried it again? I just sort of think, and then he's here. I can try, and yeah, she'll just focus, focus on Sun. Like so much of the magic of Bikinos, it feels very just like second. You lift your hand to drink water. I think about Sun, and he shows up, and she just thinks really, really hard. <laughs> I think even like like scrunching her face up because it probably doesn't happen right away. Yeah, as Abiku sits there and her tear-stained face with her eyes scrunched tight, Oka holding one hand, gentle, you see that thread that you feel like only you can perceive, uh, linking you and Abiku begin to waver. As Abiku's trying to conjure a- another thread into existence, you see something flickering, like a line flicker out of Abiku and then fade and then flicker and then fade. And you get the feeling that if you like tug at it, if you guide it into the right position, just so you might be able to help, I think I put my hand on on Abiku's shoulder and I like crouch down a little so we're pretty close to height level. You got this. I I just feel it. Mm. And I think on that, like that flickering thread that Abiku's trying to conjure into existence stabilizes. And as soon as Sun reappears in just a puff of just like black energy and magic radiating off of their scales, Gentle, you feel that thread stabilize, and both Abiku and Sun's threads explode back up into that, like, golden shower of confetti and constellation and star work. Just like with Oka, and just like with Bud. <gasps> Abiku? Sun gets up and runs. I, I am so sorry. I will not. I don't know what I did wrong, but I, I won't do it ever again. I am so. Are you okay? Y- yes, yes, I'm okay. What what happened? You were here and then you were gone and then I couldn't find you and I I am sorry. Hey, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Are you crying? Yes. <laughs> Did you miss me that much? Yes, we are all we have of our home. Oh, you big softy and son gets up onto their like back legs and pummels onto you like a dog and starts like licking I think your face and your tears off your face the rain clouds go clear again on her uh, cheeks um mm. and underneath and she's like we have to go help Vasco and Costas they would they might be fighting like for real by now and I think on that we cut back to the clearing Costas is looking up at you around all these images suspended in trapped, glitching light and magic. Even as Nibuza's broken, unraveling, withering, frayed edges continue to spark and hurt you from the inside, Vasco, you are still holding on, trying to communicate this feeling of, I can't do this without you. What would I do without you? To Costas. 
Cossus looks up at you, and before gentle Oka, Bud, Sun, and Abiku arrive on the scene, they say to you, You... Do you really feel this way? And she pulls the flute from her lips and looks up at Costas through teary eyes. And all she says is, I feel like if I were to tell you that I loved you, I would insult how important you are to me. That's a really weird way to say I love you, Costas. And Costas gets up uh, and hugs you, Vasca, actually, and like holds you tight against their body. Uh, and they mm -hmm. say, I love you too, Vasca. And they let go. And I think on them letting go, that's when the rest of you arrive. And gentle, you see before your very eyes, those two threads also explode into like that glittering radiance upon Costas and Vasca hugging. Uh, and you know that they are stable and they've found themselves already. And now all of you are back together. And Costa sort of whirls around and sort of like sees all of you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're all back. Bud, son, and you're no longer a fox. Long story. Not a long story. Where's Hitsagasen? Um, uh, there was a valley with fire. It was really red. Um, I don't know exactly. It, it, it was weird to see. Um, I don't know exactly where it's at, but maybe I could try to focus in on it again. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you should. I like how you were able to find Oka and Abiku. I'll do my best. Uh, is there anything I should roll for those? No. You just have to describe to me how you focus on this particular thread. Uh, when it comes to Dr. O, I think there's a kindredness to the way that we navigate the world. Um, and I think I hang on to the memory of uh, asking to help me make gifts for the hounds. And I sort of hang on that feeling of a shared love of helping other people. Yeah, and I think as you tap onto that emotion and onto that shared ideal, you feel that thread clarify in your own soul and strengthen and point you in a particular direction, almost like a hook behind your navel, spinning you around and pointing you toward an area of the jungle and also down. And you just intuitively know where to go. Sort of like how pigeons always know how to find home. You just kind of know how to get to Dr. Aluso. I got it. Gentle. You lead your party like a wayfinder through this dense, cloistered, almost humid, non-Andakan jungle at the bottom, question mark, of the Euclid chasm. Your party pushes past hanging vines, the strange chittering of even stranger birds, monkeys, beasts, animals, darting to and fro from the canopy all around you. You all run and sprint and balk and hop and jump and weave and duck through this jungle until you all reach a clearing. The final vast palm fronds are pushed out of the way to reveal a massive lake. Maybe half a mile across, it is impossibly blue. It is cerulean. Oka, looking at this lake, you think of Hitsagaten's eyes. And the shape of this lake, it is, it is round. It is perfectly round, spherical, not something you would normally find in nature. 
And this lake is sort of at the bottom of like a natural slope that you're standing at the top of maybe 30 feet down. The lake just begins with a shoreline. What do you all do? Can everybody swim? No. Oh. You see uh, Vasca look out of her element. She is not lying. <laughs> um, I could carry you, but if you can't swim, have you? Do you like what? Are you afraid of water? I'm. I, I'm fine with. With. I'm not afraid of water. No. I just. I. This is quite a bit of swimming, and the most I have ever done is just fun floating by Russell. <laughs> You, you could, like, ride on sun. Sun can swim. Wait, do we have to go down? It, I don't see anywhere to go. And gentle, you feel that needle plunging down. Down, 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 down into that lake. We're gonna have to go down. I can help less with that. Oka, Vaska, the two of you have, like, god magic, right? Can't you just use that god magic to form, like, a breathing bubble around our faces or something? DQ's like, oh, wait, okay, okay, what if, okay, okay, I feel smart, okay, so what if I summon an air elemental and we can breathe inside of it? I personally love that as a GM. <laughs> like, hey, bro, can we get inside you, you know? Could you just be an air bubble instead of, like, a body? <laughs> I personally love that. Uh, Oka just kind of looks wide-eyed and is like, I'm kind of willing to try anything at this point. Okay, that's yes. that's two. You know what? Fuck it, let's do it. That Gentle, sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> I can just swim. Yeah, Gentle oh, has yeah. skills. You could lead our way, Gentle. Uh, absolutely. Sun turns to you, Abiku. I, uh, I'm willing to try anything. I can maybe use my wings to flap. Like, my, my top half could be in the elemental, and my back half could sort of be like a rudder slash a propeller. I grab Sun's face. I am not risking you drowning, and I unsummon. <laughs> <laughs> Sun is gone. Uh, yeah, I'll cast Summon Elemental, I suppose. Uh, you do? Yeah, tell me what it looks like, where it comes out of. Uh, I think it comes out of my lungs. Abiku, like, touches the clouds on her cheek and inhales them and then, like, exhales and, like, exhales what feels like all of her breath as she doesn't need to breathe until this air elemental is standing there and doesn't say anything audibly as I just released all the air in my body. But, like looks and conveys like what I need this spirit to help us do and just kind of winds its body until it's like an opaque like oval and yeah. then you can just gestures. I love that. All of you see like a massive gust of air. It's invisible essentially, right? It's only visible in how it affects the fauna around you. <laughs> Whirl around you, whips your hair. Okay, your blood in the halos just sort of goes like 
wobbling through the atmosphere. A parable sort of, sort of like rippled in the breeze as well. And Bud's fur also gets ruffled by this gust of sun and wind. And it sort of flattens itself into like a spherical oval and gusts around all of you. And the barriers of this are sort of like a wind wall. But while you're inside, you feel oxygen just continuously swirling through you. And Vika can't talk, so she just gestures and like walks into this. Into the lake? Okay, yeah. So all of you in your giant hamster ball, uh, you walk down to the shoreline and into the water. And it's like if you've ever seen a helicopter touch down on like the surface of a wa- of water, it's like a massive gust of wind blows across the perfectly smooth mirror-like surface of the lake. Massive ripples and waves like rock through the water and like hit the opposite shore as all of you descend into the depths of the lake with gentle leading the way plunging into the water proper. And as soon as all of you plunge in, you realize this isn't just a lake. This is a pillar-shaped hole. A fucking well drilled deep into the earth. Its bottom dips out of sight. You don't see anything at the bottom. It just keeps going down. And immediately gentle, with this massive ball of wind on your feet, you see all around you what you think are fish. They are very strange fish. No two look exactly alike. A one actually, I think, like swims past your face really quickly. It's only about like a few inches long, but then it turns at like pinwheels in the water and it's suddenly three feet long. Just, it didn't even transform. It's like one side of it was short and then it turns and the other side is long. Uh, And another fish sort of cuts past, I think your face at the same time. And it's glowing. It is a glowing serpentine kind of fish with mouths, like open mouths along its eel-like belly and little holes sort of cut open along its spine. And you realize these holes are gills and they vent these large pillars and bobbles of air as it sort of chugs along almost like a, a moving flute. And another fish, as you continue to dive down, and all of you see this too in your hamster ball, uh, another fish seems to have like no gills at all, but it has like multiple limbs. Uh, just sticking out and it's like pushing itself through the water. You're not sure if it's a fish or a mammal. And these limbs are like these kind of like stubby little sucker-like things that propelled it forward by gulping and then spitting water and propelling. And you also see these like fleshy antlers kind of protruding from its forehead, rear. You're not exactly sure where it's coming out of, but there are definitely these two like coral-like antlers coming out. And as your party continues to descend through this pillar, through this well, through this massive hole, all of these strange, strange fish begin to circle your party. And they all seem like very unafraid of people, like peering at you all almost, almost like a sense of curiosity. None of them like lunge forward to attack or anything like that, but they don't shy away from you either. And gentle, you find you actually have to like push some out of the way because they don't instinctively move out of the way in the water like they would back in Indake. Like you have to like, you grab onto one that's kind of furry and weirdly dry uh, and you kind of like shove it through the liquid out of, out of the way. Like all around you, you all see like webbed teeth, furred feet, tendrils, shells, translucence. How are all of you reacting? Once again, I look back at you, Connie, and I go, what do you mean, how are we reacting? 
<laughs> okay. It's closing their eyes and willing Sen to get no they're willing Sen to not get any ideas about this. No ideas about this. <laughs> I'm just we're back to the last session. You're the most fucked up fish you've seen. What do you do about it? I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. We are yeah. walking. I can't trust enough that Abiku's like, no, no. Like, you can't, no air. It's just like, silent, like, we need to, like, seize gentle touch the furry one. Probably shouldn't touch it. I don't know what that is. It's okay. I'm immune to illness and disease. It's fine. Whatever is wrong with these things, it's fine. Uh... Cut to irradiated gentle in three episodes. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> fine. Oh, just make me nuclear. I'm unstoppable then. Anyway, I think the thing I'm going to try to do is I have Emissary of the Beasts, in which I can communicate simple ideas with beasts that can breathe water. These count as beasts, right? I don't, I'm afraid to ask, but... What are you trying to do? I'm trying to communicate uh, both that we are, like, we mean no harm... And that if we could use some guidance, we'd appreciate it. So, friends and help. Roll persuasion. Oh my god. <laughs> Can I get Bardic spray? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'll allow that. Your magics are kind of back, so I'll allow that. Yeah, you see Vasca just in the background, hiding behind a Biku. Biku in true bottom fashion hates this whole situation and it's just gonna be like just like swishes parable in this air <laughs> to create a little tiny like recorder like sound because she hates this and you'll get a d12 bardic inspiration i'm going to use that d12 right. roll please do oh oh boy oh boy okay so that is 28 with the bardic inspiration. The dry and furry fish you push out of the way initially, as you try to like remove it from your hand, it doesn't move. It's like stuck to your hand and you see limbs, tendrils covered in brown fur, almost like a coconut, uh, start to like web its way up your arm. And it, it's not painful, but it feels exploratory. Like it's reaching out feelers through its central brown spherical mass to try to like, figure out what you are how do you persuade this thing to get off and that you're also not a threat i think i use the uh, i try to save my like hand of healing and like all of my just vague key point magics are back and i think i give like almost as a i'm going to compare myself to a jellyfish here so I use like the the key that like a stunning strike would give off like and give off a similar energy to that of like to get it like off of me um, and then I give the, like, like warm hand of healing sensation right after to convey that, like, that was a non-harmful action. Uh, I like that. So I think, I think that, that works. Like, yeah. I think I'm just flashing lights almost. Yeah. You'd be bioluminescent right now. Its fingers release from your arm, uh, and its furry limb-like tendrils open up as it floats away from you, and you see sort of at the center of its clusters of limbs, you see, like, gnashing teeth um, that weren't biting you, but they were right there. They look razor sharp, but it sort of, like, sort of does this. It, like, waves its arms once like a squid propelling itself backward, and it disappears into the murk. And I think combined with, like, your key and your gentle nudging of, like, the various other fish and creatures, beasts, 
animals are they're not really animals they're just sort of organisms that are here you are able to clear a path for your party down through the well your party descends through this lake through this well through this hole punched through the earth through this jungle bubbles billow in your wakes you pass schools of shimmering lights shrimp you think maybe but flat and sharp with too many teeth. And along the impossibly smooth walls of this perfectly spherical circular pond, coral, question mark, grows in clusters that pulsate. And as you plunge deeper and deeper and deeper, all of you notice something bizarre. Usually, when diving into a body of water, the temperature drops as you get closer and closer to the bottom. But here, there's no mistaking it. Gradually, almost imperceptibly, like turning the dial on a pot full of crabs, the water is getting warmer. How do all of you react to this? Are we the crabs? <laughs> Are we being boiled over? Uh, how hot is it right now? You're beginning to sweat inside the air elemental. And gentle, if you keep going down without taking further precautions, you will take fire damage. <laughs> I don't want us to take damage from Slate Storm. That <laughs> seems like a terrible idea. I, I have kind have a weird of weird idea. I too have a weird idea. Let's hear let's hear Oka's first. Okay, this would be kind of, um, I have a first level spell called Bloodburn, and this would be like a reverse use of Bloodburn on the party, so I'd probably use up pretty much every single one of my first level spell slots and then some, um, and I'd use Thirsting spells to lose HP to get more spell slots back, um, to try to keep everyone's blood and therefore their bodies cool. Mmm. That's my unhinged idea. That's really interesting. Let's hear gentles. Mine was wall of water because I just have the ability wall of water and just trying to make almost a funnel of good of good water uh, inside of this, this worst water. So wait, is your proposal to cover you on a pillar of cold water around the air elemental around yes. the party? Yes, we are in. We are. We are turducken of bubbles. Is my plan. <laughs> turducken. <laughs> uh, to enhance that idea, let's put us all in a tank. I'll put wall of force so that we're all just moving like a tank of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's fucking hilarious. We're a little aquarium. <laughs> I will allow wall of water and wall of force to join forces. So maybe okay, you can like save some spell slots with this, and depending on. Gentle and Vasca's rolls, you might be able to use Bloodburn to help supplement it too. If they're they're not rolling hot enough. Get it hot enough? Okay. Cool enough. So gentle and Vasca, make me either an arcana check or a athletics or acrobatics check. Acrobatics easy. And that's a 29 bestie. A natural 20 plus 14 for a 34. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh did you say plus 14? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I hate I'm 17, baby! Okay, yeah, uh, so 
a massive wall of force explodes out of Bosca, and you try to like shape it around your air elemental as well as around gentle, correct? So it's like a it's like a cube, like a long cube. And gentle, the interior of the cube is still filled with water, but it's cool water, right? That you're using wall of water to like bend around you. Okay, so you're in the water, but your friends are in the air bubble inside the water, inside the inside the tank. Got it. Uh, so <laughs> you unhinged little gremlins, you descend through this aquarium, uh, even as the heat begins to intensify around you. And eventually, all of you see it. The bottom of the lake. You have, at this point, traveled... 4,500 feet, easy, just straight down this well. And at the very bottom, you all see a vast circular expanse of sandy rock. It is as wide across at the bottom as it is at the top, so about half a mile wide. And its edges kind of bleed into shadow around you beyond your vision's perception. But your eyes aren't necessarily drawn to the sand, it's drawn to the chasm, a crevice massive and jagged, tears through the ground like a wound, and bubbling out of this huge fault line is steam, heat erupting upward. And Gentle, you know you have to go through that chasm. Um, we're gonna have to go down there. Um, so just fair warning, I don't know what will happen. Oh boy. Okay. As the wall of force starts to sink through the chasm, Vasca, I need you to make a constitution saving throw, like a concentration check. Okay. That's a, that's a 12. That is not sufficient. As soon as like the wall of force, I think makes contact with like a gout of bubbling steam erupting out of the crevice, you all see cracks begin to shimmer around this invisible wall of force around you. And Vasca, I think sweat starts to bead down your temple. You can't hold it any longer. And it shatters. And it's just that wall of like cool water that Gentle is using to bend around all of you now that's sustaining and protecting you. So Gentle, make a con save. You wanna know one of the fun things about being a monk? You know, proficiency in every saving throw. So that's a 23. 23. So it's usually... <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me roll some dice here, my love. I'm going to give you a hard choice with a 23. So you are going to boil a little bit in this water and take a, lot, a good amount of damage. But you can keep your friends safe or you can spread the pain and have all of you take a moderate amount of damage instead of you taking a lot. Uh, I'm legitimately gonna, if if this is okay with the table, spread the pain. Because if I lose consciousness here, we're all fucked anyway. <laughs> okay, so all of you are going to take 43 points of fire damage. A little bit? That's the moderate amount. <laughs> That's if you spread yeah, the pain. Yeah, I died. <laughs> don't trust you. You're, you're going through like a volcanic crack at the bottom of the ocean, so... 
It is a very odd sensation for those of you in the air pocket, as the air around you suddenly begins to heat up and get really, really, really hot. Uh, and like, think it's like getting a sudden sunburn that just scorches down your skin, starts to peel away at your sweat. And how much HP does the air elemental have, Abiku? It has HP. 90, 90 hit points, it's good. Yeah. I just looked it up. Cool. Okay, so the air elemental is still up, uh, but it's like taking the brunt of this damage as well and gentle, like shimmering in this cool water you're trying to bend, but you can't keep it cold enough, right? You you also see like burn scars start to like bubble and broil up and erupt alongside your dark blue skin. And then all of you make your way down through the crack, even as pillars of steam and red hot bubbles of air like all around your bodies and then there is a sensation like falling gentle as the wall of water I think sloughs and like almost like disappears around you uh, but the air bubble stays up because the sensation continues to the interior of your body like heart splashing into guts and this red hot water rushes past your bodies and you are falling you are hurtling through open air and the water from the lake above you continues gushing around you in the form of a roaring, thunderous, crimson waterfall coming out of a crevice in the ceiling of the next chamber. And you are all plummeting downward toward a massive, volcanic cavern. And this cavern, this miniature country, extends as far as the eye can see, like the jungle above it. You see veins of lava glistening between outcroppings of porous rock. You see pits of magma bubbling and frothing. Crevices yawn open on the molten ground, and pillars of pure fire shoot upward 20, 50 feet into the air. And from your vantage point up high, about 2,000 feet into the sky, one thing is unmistakable. This entire huge, like I said, country-sized cavern is tiered almost imperceptibly downward, like its ground is tilted on a slope, like concave, like an inverted ziggurat shaped like a massive funnel, sucking all light and hope down into a central abyss. And at the very heart of this molten expanse directly underneath you, at the very bottom of this kingdom-sized stepwell, you all see a massive hole in the ground. So as you tumble and hurdle and freefall, gentle, the wall of water is gone. It's like, it's like join the rest of the waterfall tumbling down around you, but the air elemental is still up. As you're freefalling, what do you all do? Oka has wings. So all four of their wings kind of unfold out of their back as they like catch themselves kind of hard. Uh, they go up, um, but they see everyone starting to fall, all of us falling. Um, and I think they kind of like just tip their wings in really quick and start like they dive a little bit toward where Abiku is falling. Um, and they reach out and like just skim Abiku's back where the the raven tattoo is. Uh, and Oka is going to cast Polymorph on you, uh, <gasps> Abiku. If I may, to have not necessarily turn Abiku into an animal or a creature, but to try to give Abiku raven wings in this moment to like to like bring that tattoo like up and out of her back if she'd like i mean that's metal as shit so i'm on board but i'm not the, i'm not in charge here all right oka make either an arcana check or a sleight of hand check 25 
That is sufficient. Black feathers explode out from either side of Abiku's scapulae as on the left side, on the right side, raven wings unfurl, massive, like almost like they're attempting to blanket the waterfall behind you. And they explode even, I think, out of the diameter of the air elemental around you. And Abiku, I think as a result of polymorphing with wings, the spell that summoned the air elemental breaks, and it just like returns back into the magic inside your soul and around you uh, as your wings expand from your back. I think Abiku's first does not process having wings, processes can fly now and tries to catch the other members of Strike Team A in her big, big lady arms. You dive toward Costas, who is screaming their head off and yeah. you like catch them. <laughs> <laughs> I have got to learn how to fly because this shit is humiliating. And we pan over to Vasca. Uh, Vasca was uh, falling and noticed that Oka did that move to Abiku and immediately begins like casting. And in fact, like once, I don't know if Abiku is headed towards Vasca, I'm assuming so, just trust free falls into Abiku's arm as she completes the casting of Featherfall on Bud, knowing that Bud is the only uh, creature in our vicinity who cannot fly. And this is a huge, huge drop. And Vasca thinks Bud is very cute, so. I hope that's not the only reason you saved Bud's life. But yeah, okay, totally. You cast Featherfall on Bud, who's letting out a go, oh my god, cool. Oh. As they start to literally like drift downward, left to right, like a feather, uh, sort of at the same speed as all of you, this like wolf kind of tilting like east to west, east to west on the way toward the ground. Um, That's what I mean by cute. Yeah. <laughs> Vasca's just watching this happen. He's like, this, <laughs> this dire wolf is adorable as hell. <laughs> and Vasca, you also land in Abiku's arms on top of Costas, who is also in Abiku's arms. So it's the three of you like just sort of like squished together as all of you descend. And Gentle, you have your flying shoes, so you're also good. You can just sort of like skate your way down through the air as well. So yeah, that needle, that compass, Gentle, is tugging you toward that hole at the very bottom of this volcanic area. I guess we'll keep on going. Is everyone okay? I think first off, um, and I just check on everyone's like wounds. I mean, like physically, yes, mentally, I no, I don't see this. Where the fuck are we? I don't know that part. I don't know that part either. How badly wounded are we? Uh I'm about half, and that's because I also got punched by Mirror Me earlier. A- absolutely not. If if my keeper is suffering, mass cure wounds, let's go. Uh <laughs> that is uh 18 points of healing for everybody. Mm. So, Vasco, you thrust your hands upward and magic pours and emanates off of you as we see these burn marks begin to soothe and heal themselves across our party member's skin and all of your, like, aching, burning muscles from, like, the boiling water of the lake above you begin to cool down. Vasco just goes, I miss it, Lolly. <laughs> she completes <laughs> that spell. Gentle nods a little too aggressively at that, I'll be real. Oka too. <laughs> As all of you continue to drift toward the ground, you all see and you sense vibrating in the air around you, a massive tremor erupt upward from even deeper within the chasm. 
similar to the earthquakes that had shook the now, had shook Dr. Eluso's homestead, they're continuing. They are so strong that they're penetrating even through this area, up through the lake, up through that jungle, up through the air, above the jungle, up through the mist, up through the top of the chasm. And now you see the ground just vibrate, 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 and like boulders explode off of the sides of this funnel and tumble down toward that hole. You see like gouts of flame explode upward and like all underneath you, the ground is just shaking and shaking like tectonic plates crashing against each other. I don't think we can land. Just fly down. I could try to carry Bud. Can you carry Bud? Could you you could take Costas and then I could carry Bud. Toss him. <laughs> I like Vosk over one shoulder, toss Costas and go grab Bud, I guess. God's fucking Uh Oka, make an acrobatics check. This is not the time to roll a three on an acrobatics check. <clears throat> I do technically have a point of inspiration. I'll use it. I'll use it for you, Costas. 20. Unnatural. Okay, you catch Costas in your arms and you sort of brace against their weight. <sighs> Please, don't just throw me. Give me it like a heads up. The next time you're going to throw me around like a rag doll. Okay, I, I will put that on the sheets. Thank you, Abiku. And I think at this point, all of you have drifted down far enough that the very top layer of the ground of this chamber, like the very top of the funnel, is now like rising up to meet all of you. Uh, about 2,000 feet down. And now you're like drifting down past it. You see like rocks dislodging themselves off of walls, tumbling down, shaking. It's almost like nauseating and jarring to see all of the ground tremble and vibrate around you, like jarring and jostling against your eyeballs. And as you try to like make a straight descent down into that hole so you don't touch the ground around you, I need all of you to make a group acrobatics check. 25. It was my turn for a natural 20 for 31. Oh, nice. Vasca. Natural one for a six. So I am going to use my inspiration. <laughs> Acrobatics, 15. What did Gentle oh, get? Uh, I rolled a five, but with plus 11, that makes that a 16. Okay. You get through it mostly okay. Vasca and Gentle, I think... As you start to like narrow down to that like top of the needle sort of like, tiny hole compared to the rest of this massive funnel, I think some of the dislodging rocks and pebbles and stones do clip the two of you like against like the size of your head, against your rib, like they like smack against your leg. So I need the two of you to make to take a collective fifteen points of bludgeoning damage. That looks like. <laughs> You want to catch the rocks? You want to deflect the rocks? I want to like rocks? just catch and catch and deflect, just like yeah. You know what? Yeah, you can do a deflect mess missiles attempt. Exactly. I love to deflect missiles. I get like three times a year. Let me do it. I'll let you do uh, it. What do I have to do? You use your reaction to deflect or catch the missile. Uh, so when you do, the damage you take is reduced by one d10 plus your dex modifier plus your monk level. Okay, that'll Perfect. be basically nothing. Yeah, that's that's just free at that point. If you reduce the damage to zero, you can catch it if it's small mm -hmm. enough. And you can spend one key point to make a ranged attack with I'm it. I'm just going to catch it and like just use a little bit of key magic to like deheat it. And, uh, it'll be a souvenir. Okay. Yeah, you catch a piece of porous rock and like you cool it down from where like lava was sloughing and bubbling within its holes. And you tuck it away into your satchel. All right, uh, so 
the rest of you continue to descend, and I think as you approach it, this hole looked really small from, at this point, 4,000 feet up into the air, because you're getting to the, the top of the hole now. But as you get closer, it is half a mile across, easy. Just like the lake. It is a straight shot down. And as all of you are, like, peering over its yawning edge, you all see multicolored striations along this chasm's walls, right? Like layers of sediment going all the way down, streams of bisected lava spurting and dribbling into a vast gulf of darkness, thick plumes of mist. No, clouds block your view of the bottom. And now all of you go down. And as you descend through this hole, like as soon as you like cross over the lip, it almost seems to like cool down. Like the temperature in this like hellish layer was super, super high. Like sweat has been rolling off all of your bodies this entire time. And where it like rolls off your leg and hits the ground, it evaporates into steam from how hot the ground is. But as you descend into this hole, you immediately start to cool down. And your bodies, I think, eventually push through that first cloud layer. And then that first cloud layer breaks, and you are fully in the hole. The walls of this hole all around you are smooth, impossibly smooth, just like the lake. But as you continue your descent, you all notice tunnels, holes, bored through the rock, and all of them are massive, like the size of temples. All right. And your party is like filtering down and past these vast circles of darkness on the chasm walls around you like ants crawling down a wagon wheel. How are all of you reacting to this? Gentle, you are sure this is the way? I... As much as I don't like that it is the way, it absolutely is. I am a little... So, I just have a question for everyone. Are we sure we should keep following the doctor down here? We can't leave them behind. I mean, they're moving through here like they, even if they're not fully 100% cognizant, they seem to know what they're doing more than any of us are, so there has to be something down here. How are they navigating this? Their fucking machine? I don't know. I don't know if the machine is doing it. Look at how much magic it's taken out of us. It is scary because the magic still works when all of us stopped. And I know we don't know a lot about him because the doctor doesn't know a lot. And that's not their fault. But there is something down here that it. I felt how Sun felt up there when all the animals were afraid. It is bad. Well, maybe we could stop it from ever getting up there. I am just worried. What if whatever it is is something the doctor wants to let out? I want to make sure we understand. We don't know what we're going to find. Sounds like either way we need some answers and the doctor might be the only one who knows anything. We don't leave anyone behind. No matter what. Guys, um, what the fuck is that thing? And maybe a thousand feet underneath all of you, 
you all see like a tiny little like squiggle that's getting bigger and bigger by every passing second underneath you. Oh, a squiggle? Yeah. Try to elaborate. A thousand feet threatened. up, it looks like a squiggle. Like, just like, okay. Like, a squiggle of light? A squiggle, like, a squiggle... Like, are we in, like, total darkness and there's, like, a squiggle of light at the bottom, or...? Yeah, why not? Yeah, okay, you are in total okay. darkness at this point, yes. And the squiggle is perceptible because it's glowing. And it's moving. <laughs> My bad, everybody. <laughs> cool, if we're in total darkness, uh, I cast light on Parable and I begin swinging it so we can get more light around us. I like that. Yeah. It's almost, ooh, it's almost like a lighthouse, right? With, like, the... You will see, like, different parts of, like, the chasm walls on either side, like, half a mile across, like, come into, like, leery vision and then fade, and then leery vision and then fade. You see the massive holes filtering by as you continue to descend, and that squiggle starts to get larger. Oka? Yeah, I'll use my hunter's bane, maybe. Actually, um, I've been holding on to this this whole time. I would like to use my dark psychometry. Um, which is, uh, I have advantage on history checks to discover the dark history of objects and places. Um, so maybe using, like, Hunter's Mark, like, what these, like, are those dens? Like, monster dens? Animal holes? Where are we? What is that squiggle? Um, just gonna kind of open myself to it. Make a history check with advantage. Tell me why I rolled two fives in a row. That was the rudest shit I've ever seen in my life. All right, hold on. 17 total. Well, that's pretty good. Okay. So you are struck by how both the hole here and the hole of the lake seem to be the exact same. It's like, it's almost like the same thing made it. That's the first thing that strikes you. The second thing that strikes you is like the coral and the fish, as well as the big holes here seem to have come after the first big hole was made. Like these holes as Vasca's light is beaming in these pulsating circles around you, they seem to be newer by only like a degree of like a couple dozen years uh, than the central hole punching its way down. And they are not perfectly round. These holes are kind of like, uh, the insides are a little bit rocky. It's almost, um, the insides of the holes drilled into the central hole are like, almost like waves, like undulating. Like the rocky like sides of it are like moving up and down, up and down. Almost like a, like ribs of an accordion or something. And they're massive. But based on your 17, they do remind you, I think, of Jikyat Forma's lair in Morose. Like the various different tunnels into the massive monster den. This does kind of feel like a den. Hey, I kind of, anyone else get the feeling that, I don't know, something literally punched a perfect hole straight into the ground and we're just kind of going into it when you say it like that I am now Wolf with that degree of specificity you are scaring me yeah me too Sagu at your voice ringing down through this massive chasm that wiggly thing pauses and then it seems to like bend upward and start to wiggle up uh, toward where your group is. And as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger very quickly, this thing is moving very fast. All of you see what it is. It is a creature? Serpentine. That doesn't have a face 
or a tail. Instead, both ends of its long, glowing, alabaster tube-like body are capped by a fleshy, accordion-like organ with a sharp tip like a drill, like a wobbly pencil sharpened on either end. And as it gyrates through the air upward toward you, the accordion parts compress and expand, compress and expand, seeming to propel it through the atmosphere upward. Uh, and instead of any legs or wings or limbs, a thin strip of feathery flesh protrudes from either side of its body down lengthwise and undulates in the air as it flies, swims upward toward you like a sea slug moving through liquid. Absolutely not. I want to cast some kind of fucked up spell at it as fast as I can. Same. <laughs> okay. I, I can't stress enough. I'm getting in one of the holes. What? <laughs> Y'all sound I was gonna try out of to pocket. See if I could communicate. I get. I. I <laughs> take a fucking butt and Vasca and I get in one of the holes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can make a stealth check. Can I give Bardic Inspiration? Yes, you can. You can give Bardic Inspiration. Oh, as that happens, 12. as that happens, Oka, I want to know what spell you want to cast. I want to cast Throw My Sword at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about you, Gentle? I was gonna... I wanted to look at it closer and see if it's even, like, a thing that eats or does anything, like... Like, like does it move with any aggression? Which I guess we're gonna find out right now. You can make an insight check. I think that's what that means. You can roll insight yeah. on this weird thing that I'm doesn't have a face. Roll insight. Oh, wait, it's this is so gay. This is this used to be one of Gentle's jobs in the Hounds, right? To tell us if monsters were like aggressive Absolutely. and predatory. So yep. Oka holds Dream Hunter. They're waiting for Gentle's word. But before that's we get 19. there, a 19. OK, Gentle, that's a 19. I'll resolve that in a second. Abiku, what did you get with your stealth roll with that uh, bardic inspiration? <laughs> 29. 20. <laughs> you love to hear it. You fold Costas and Bud and Vasca into one of these giant holes, and you're just standing at the brim of it like an ant standing at the bottom ledge of a jet propeller. Like, that's how huge this hole is behind you. It's like massive, it can fit a city in it. And you just stand on like the lip of it and you like peer over the edge to see how your friends are faring. With a 19 gentle, as this thing wobbles its way up toward you and Oka and your party. Aggression is not the right word. It seems to be drawn to sound and vibration, like movement and sound. It doesn't have eyes. Uh, and you get the feeling that like the fleshy flaps that are like a sea slugs, almost like gills or wings along the sides of its body are also meant to like, are also like little sensors. As it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and closer, you see like little feathery protrusions, like the tendrils off a moth are coming off of the sides of its body. And it seems to be like twitching and sensing in reaction to your party's movement. More than anything with your role, it seems curious. As it gets bigger and bigger though, and gets closer, it's huge. It is the size of the holes. And it's surging upward toward you. I'm going to grab the, the pebble that I, uh, the, the lava pebble, and I'm going to throw it in the opposite direction from where we were heading to see if it's going to be attracted to that sense of movement because it's moving much faster. Make a dexterity deception check. Okay, okay. All right, so that's a 16 then. You chuck this piece of porous rock through the air and it pings like off of like a distant wall. And you see this thing immediately correct its course. 
it bends at a 90 degree angle, like I, like a twig snapping, uh, and like the rest of its body just sort of wobbles along the bend and follows it, almost like, um, and it bends at another 90 degree angle as it approaches where the, where the rock bounced off the wall. And there's like a massive, like, like a wind pillar that gusts across uh, Oka and Gentle and past like the opening of the tunnel that Abiku, Vasca, Kostas, and Butter in as it like passes through your party with just like, like a couple hundred feet to spare, which is not a lot of feet for something as huge as this. And it like upward and out of sight. Well, not out of sight, it's massive, but upward and past your party. I make the sign for complete silence. And they just gesture to like the direction we need to go and just keep going in that direction. All of you continue your descent downward. <laughs> deep, 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 down, down, down. You all surmise you travel maybe, I mean, it takes you maybe like 15, 20 minutes to go down at a steady pace, maybe even longer. And you get the sense that several, like at least 30,000 feet pass from when you like entered this well. It's at least like six miles deep. And these holes don't stop. They like continue to pepper the tunnel walls until you reach the last like 8,000 feet and then the tunnels stop. And it's just your party continuing to go down, 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 down. And finally, this long, deep drop bottoms out. And all of you see the next section rising up to meet you very, very quickly. It's like you're uh, falling downward through like a vertical pipe embedded in a ceiling, right? And you can only glimpse a circular wedge of the next room underneath you. Uh, but whatever it is, it's definitely much wider than half a mile across. It is very vast. And from your perspective up there, as it gets bigger, 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 you see what look to be colorful gears, plates, circles, uh, layered over each other, moving. They're moving, like cogs in a watch, but iridescent and reflective and silent. What do you all do before you drift past this hole? I don't, we haven't been told to not be totally silent by Gentle, who Biku sees as just like in charge. So Biku, with no free arm, with two people and it's like someone on her back, just kind of like points like, Oka's starting to get this kind of desperate expression in their face the longer they go, and the further we get, the longer that we are not with Hitsagaten. And I think there's this, like, they're starting to go faster and faster as they go down, and they look like they're just ready to keep going into this next spot. And I, they're iridescent, right? Yeah, they're shining, yeah. almost like crystal. Uh, I was wondering if I could make some sort of, like, arcana check uh, to discern what this iridescent cog thing is, or if it's, like, connected to Dr. Luso's machine or something. Sure, yeah, roll arcana. And anyone who wants to can, I think. Uh, that is a 29 total. 27 for Oka. 12. I got a natural 20 for 21? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so all of you, except Gentle, get the sense that these moving plates, cogs, gears, you're not exactly sure, you have to get closer to know for sure, but they do radiate some kind of magic in a way that you weren't exactly sure if the other layers or the other aspects of the layers were. And 
Something about this magic almost, almost feels familiar, but not exactly. It's like, it seems to follow a kind of logic, a kind of set of rules that the magic of the weave does up above, but it's not the same kind of rules as the weave. So it's not the weave down there? No. It's not. It's a different system of magic entirely. And as you plummet through the hole, you all realize it's not gears, it's not cogs, it's not plates underneath you. It's deuses. Flat, floating deuses made of a crystalline, iridescent material. They vary vastly in size. Some are just big enough to hold a single person, others entire towns. And still others are smaller than the face of a coin. But each one is a slightly different color and they're all moving. They're all roving, rotating like planets, revolving around each other, layered at different heights, going down, 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 down. It extends as far as the eye can see, all the way to your left, all the way to your right, all the way down. And encompassing these floating, colorful deuses on all sides is, well, nothing. Just darkness. Darkness and deuses all the way down. Nothing stirs. Nothing breathes. What do you all do? Is there anything about these deuses that look familiar? Are there like teleportation runes on them or any runes of any kind? Or are they just like flat discs? You all notice that they all seem to have the same kind of design. Even though their colors are different and their sizes are different, all of them are sort of like tapered upward. Uh, like they sort of have at, at their bottoms as you continue to like float past them or maybe even hop from platform to platform. How you get down is completely up to you. You notice that their undersides are sort of like a, like a reverse Hershey's kiss almost. Like there's like a, like a swoop, like a point, like a cone that goes down. How many are there? Is there like a certain number? Is it like a lot? Countless, countless. They are everywhere. Is there anything down or is it just more... You, you described a void, right? We're like in a void just deuses, correct? Yes, you're kind of in like a vacuum, like a pure black space that's only populated by these floating, rotating deuses for as far as your eye can see. It goes down for at least, I mean, your vision probably drops out after 2,000 feet. It goes down for at least 2,000 feet. And this is just, it's just normal darkness, like a dark room and not a magical darkness. With your arcana check? Not exactly. This is normal darkness in the sense that there's no light down here outside of the light emanating from each dais. But this darkness is streaked through with a presence that is familiar. Kind of on the periphery of your sensation. You weren't aware of it immediately because you had to take in all this bullshit. But now that you're settled in, the shock is starting to wear off. There's a gnawing emptiness. Yes. That is beginning to suffuse this space. I think Vasca, like, I like to imagine that Vasca's no longer being carried by like a sack of potatoes on a beaker and is just instead like sat on a beaker's shoulders. Um and her instinct is to immediately like clutch her chest, remembering that time she was in the expanse of the empty in Jukai. And kind of looks at everyone and says, 
We need to stick together. This feels like the empty. I... Let's not risk one of us wandering too far. Oka also nods kind of feverishly, um, and their eyes stray around and then kind of get pulled back down, like they're trying really hard not to notice how dark it is around them. Mm. And Oka, what's interesting about this empty darkness around all of you is that it's not complete. This isn't the oppressive, full nothing plane you glimpsed into when trying to save Sitlali back in Dabathati. It's almost like... It's almost like streaks of empty darkness got through a sieve or something. And there's a little bit of the presence here, but part of it is just regular darkness. Quickly now. Quickly. If and we you, touch them, they're like hard. They're like nothing happens. Yeah. If you reach out a hand and sort of like knock on one of the deuses, it seems to be made of like a hard, almost like crystalline material. But as you touch it, a clear musical note rings out. It's almost pleasant, like a bell. All of you hear this musical note ring out as a biku just sort of taps on one, and it seems to just ripple through the space like a pure tone. And Vosco, you recognize that as the musical note, it is a B flat. I assume I you have perfect pitch. So I've just I, no, no, Vosco was 100% has perfect pitch and uh, I'm assuming we're all congregated together, and she will tap a biku. Go for that one, and points to another one. You tap, you tap like a baseball-sized platform, and it rings out as well. Another bing, and this one's an A. Scales. And you see her kind of like looking around, and um, a curiosity. We'll pull up her flute. And play a B flat and see what what happens. As you play a B flat off your flute, and the sound rings out across this expanse, several of the platforms light up and ring out with the exact same resonance. Interesting. I think you see Vaska look very interested and turn to Gentle and say, "Where do you feel the pull?" It's down. Yeah. And you all continue to go down. You rove past these musical platforms, iridescent points of, honestly, they don't feel ominous or sinister. These platforms almost feel, like I said, familiar. They are imbued with some kind of magic, not your magic, not Endokin magic, but some kind of magic nonetheless. They are different from the empty darkness that suffuses this place, and their glow almost feels friendly. As you continue going downward, though, your party travels for 10,000 feet, easy. As you go down, 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 until finally you all reach the last layer of roving, shining platforms. They just end. And then, for as far down as your eye can perceive, it's just darkness. Endless formless darkness like you've reached the bottom of the chasm's imagination and it just drops out and gentle the thread continues to beckon down hopefully it's just a little further further into nothing there's still something nothing something uh, 
I think Vaska, I'm assuming the light stopped by by now. Um, and is going to cast light again on Parable and just see if it does anything in this inky darkness. If we see wall, if we see stone, something. Nothing. It's like dropping <laughs> Parable over the edge of a cliff. It just goes down. I trust you, gentle. I look at everyone to make sure they're all okay. I think we're ready. Oka takes, I think maybe they were standing on like one of the final deities. They take two steps back, and then they do just a running, like, swan dive. And I don't even think they let their wings out, they just dive. And you fall. You dive. You plummet. And the rest of your party descends on your heels. And this drop, this tumble into interminable shadow, takes forever. And it also takes no time at all, simultaneously. 20 seconds of free falling at terminal velocity. That's how long it takes to reach the bottom. 5,000 feet of darkness, a millennia of void. And eventually, Oka, you leading the charge, make a perception check. A handsome 10. Oka, you let your wings out and they catch you. And I think you extend your feet, you're like extending your feet downward as you like pump your wings down, down, down. And then your feet touch something hard suddenly. Like you didn't perceive the bottom, it just came up. It's like missing a step and you just, oh, you're like falling, you jerk forward and you, you hit the ground. Because yes, there's a ground. There is a floor to this darkness, my friends. A bottom, an end. And this ground is made from a pitch black material that blends in perfectly with the shadows of the air around it. It takes an expert eye to distinguish it. You didn't see it, but now you feel it. The fabled end of the Euclid chasm, rising up to meet all of you. And now as the rest of your party also descends and drops down and touches the ground around you, you all notice that this floor, this end, it feels cold, icy, through the soles of your shoes. No, uh, cold isn't the right word. It is a complete cessation of movement on an atomic level. It is nothingness, not even the lack of temperature, but true stasis, a vacuum hardened and sharpened into a flat surface. And as you all cast your gazes around the bottom of the chasm, your eyes land on Dr. Hitsagaten Aluso. They are standing an immeasurable amount of distance away, but you see them, their full body, their back is turned to you, and they are facing the wall. A vast, sprawling, glowing barrier extending into forever. It is crystalline, no, it is scaled, leathery, with thin black veins stretched across webbing, wings, a pair of mutated, twisted, dripping wings splaying into infinite darkness. They protrude from the same place, the same nexus position, a person. Embedded in this wall of flesh and wing, like a martyr strung up to die, her wings unfurled on either side of her body, 
is the guardian, the prisoner, the captive, the warden, the monster at the bottom of the Euclid chasm, and your wife, Abiku, Shrinyi. This episode of The Second Stranger was edited by Connie Chong. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransPlanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransPlanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Alex, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Lyle and Peanut, Matt Sweeney, Purple Mouse, Riley, Spencer Critchfield, Scruffesis, and Target.